Today is Trinity Sunday. It's the day where we mark the sort of the the truth in our experience of God as, as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And pretty much every explanation you've ever heard about the Trinity at some point will likely veer into a heretical statement. Because it's almost an impossible concept to understand how could three separate things be one thing. So we're not going to talk about that today because um, let's just accept that it's the truth. Let's accept that it's, it's a mystery and just sort of live into that. What really struck me in looking at the readings this week was the story from Isaiah. Because here we have the prophet near the beginning of Isaiah who, who feels himself to be sort of an unworthy person. And yet he has this vision where he is in the presence of God, of, of the undivided Trinity, surrounded by the angels and the hosts of heaven and the choirs. And, and he, he is struck in the presence of God how unworthy he really is to be in the presence of God. And yet the seraph comes to him with the coal and touches him with this, this fire of God's power and he hears from the throne of God, who shall go for us? Whom shall I send? And, and I always imagine this as Isaiah sort of being swept up in the moment without really even thinking about it, going, me, I, I can do it. I can respond to this. I can go. And I think a lot of us probably have similar experiences. I mean, not that we all have visions of being in the presence of God and surrounded by the heavenly host, but inside of this sort of majestic setting, this, this ecstatic vision that Isaiah has is something that is pretty common, I think, in our lives. This, this times when we find ourselves called to react, to, to respond to something we have encountered without really giving it much thought, without having to think and plan or, or to be prepared. We just, we just jump in and we do. We're caught up in the moment. And these can be small things. Sometimes they can be big things. And I'll, I'll share with you a story from my own life that I think sort of captures this. When I was a teenager, I lived in Australia. I was an exchange student to Australia and I was, very, I was 16 years old when I went and I was super excited because I, I had grown up in Indiana which is like the most boring flattest place you can imagine at least that I could imagine that's because I hadn't been to Nebraska yet <laughs> but Indiana was dull and it was boring and it was flat and it was surrounded by farms and I wanted to go somewhere really different and Australia seemed really different with the bonus that I didn't have to learn a new language so I'm going to Australia, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to live uh, near the ocean. I'm going to go to the beach. This is before when I used to think I liked the beach, and I'm going to learn how to surf, and it'll be really cool. And the group that I went with sent me to live with the family in the only city in the entire country that is not on the coast. I went to live in Canberra, which is the capital of Australia, and it's, it's kind of in the bush. They, they drew a line from Sydney to Melbourne, and about halfway there, they stuck 
this city. And it's like Washington, D.C. It's like a made-up city, right? So they decided, we will have a city here. And so they bought basically a sheep ranch and turned it into a city. And they hired a designer, just like Law Fonta uh, designed um, Washington, D.C. They hired a guy named Burley Griffin to, to design Canberra, the Australian. And in his beautiful design, he had at the center of the city this lake. Now the problem with Australia is there are no lakes. I mean, when we live here in central New York, it's probably hard to imagine a place that doesn't have lakes. But Australia really just doesn't have lakes. It's a really dry place. In fact, for most of the rivers in Australia go dry for parts of the year. It's extremely dry. There are no lakes. But there was a little stream that trickled through the spot where they decided to build the city. So they dammed it and they made a lake. Lake Burley Griffin, and it's at the center of the city, just like the plans. It's very beautiful, but it's about three feet deep. It's not much of a lake, really. So you don't go boating or anything. So one day we were with my friends, and we're, we're at the lake, on the lake shore, and it was some sort of festival or celebration. There was some big civic event going on. I don't remember what it was, you know, if it was the Queen's birthday or Remembrance Day or something, but there was some reason that we'd all gathered together and it was a very sort of festive event. And there were these, these three fellas who went kind of running down into the lake and they jumped into the lake. This in their exuberance, I think, in the moment. But one of them, after he jumped in, he was just floating. It was a bit odd. And then sort of a red colored liquid sort of started showing up. It clearly he had dived in and, and hit at a bad angle. So I was just, I just, I just jumped up and I ran down and I jumped into the lake. Like I'm fully dressed and I jump into a lake and about four or five other people had had the same response and we all just jumped into the lake and I don't want to sound like I'm some kind of like great hero of saving people. I, I just jumped into a lake. I didn't do anything amazing. And together we, we kind of picked him up and we sort of gently rolled him over and the, and the ambulance company came and, and they gave us like the board and you know, we put him on the board and we carried him out of the lake. That's all, they, all I did was I, I jumped into the lake and I carried somebody out. And he survived but he had a um, broken part of his spine and so he ended up being paralyzed, I know that, but I don't really know what happened to him in his life. And to be honest with you, that's probably the most sort of, you know, amazing thing I've ever done. The closest I've, other, I've come to that otherwise is I, I rescued a turtle once on the throughway. It was, it was crawling across the throughway really slowly. And so I drove past and I'm like, oh, I can't let the turtle get run over. So I pulled over and, and it's a snapping turtle, of course, and so I had to... <laughs> I had to get like a coat and throw it over the turtle. The turtle's not very happy about being saved, but I pick up the turtle and I take it to the side of the road and, and let it go. But, but I think all of us have these opportunities that come to our life where we're just going about our life. We're, we're engaged in the things that we, we think we should be doing and we encounter something that makes us stop and go, oh, I should really do something. I think a lot of the times maybe we, we find excuses not to, but, but I think at, at our best we, we often do respond and we, we try to do whatever we can to, to sort of jump into the lake with our clothes on just to kind of be there in the moment. And I think that that's kind of what Isaiah is going through and I think at its heart, 
you know, we talk about the mystery of the Trinity and we are going to recite the Nicene Creed. Or actually, we're gonna, I think we're going to sing it um, in a little bit. And we, and we are, are, you know, in this amazing mystery of the sacramental life and faith. But at its heart, Christian mission is about not being afraid to jump in the lake with our clothes on. That when we encounter someone in need, someone who who is hungry, someone who, as Jesus said, you know, needs decent clothing, someone who is, is hurting or grieving or suffering in some sort of way, Jesus asks us to respond, to not think about how it's going to look, to not think about whether it's the right thing to do, to not think about whether it fits in with our conception of what's right or wrong or the law, but just to respond to human need. That's, that's at the core of Christian mission. Because in the same way that the Trinity is a relationship, that, that God is not the Father, God is not the Son, God is not the Holy Spirit. God is the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That what we think of when we say God is, is that relationship of these three persons who are so close who know each other so well, who care so much about one another that none of them would do anything that would be out of line with the other two. That they each are independent persons doing their own thing and yet together they work so closely in concert that we, we have trouble discerning who is who or what is what. God is fundamentally a relationship. And as we are created in the image of God, what Jesus asks of us is to understand ourselves to be creatures in relationship with all the other creatures and as well as with God. Jesus is inviting us in faith not to sing beautiful hymns or to the prairie beautiful prayers, but to respond to human need, to the need that each of us has in our lives. To put ourselves in places where we are vulnerable, maybe even a little unsafe ourselves, and to meet the other person where they are, and to do what we can without worrying too much about how it affects us, to alleviate their need, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to house the homeless, to end the war, to, to free the prisoners of oppression. Because the truth is, the problems of the world are so great, and the evil unleashed in the world is so dark, that it is impossible for us to solve the world's problems. None of us are smart enough, or rich enough, or are going to live long enough to solve all of the problems of the world, or even the problems just in Onondaga County. But all of us can respond to individuals. All of us can make a difference in the lives of people that we encounter day to day. That Jesus doesn't ask us to solve homelessness. He asks us to work to find a house for some person. He doesn't ask us to solve poverty. But he asks us to meet the needs of those who are impoverished. He doesn't ask us to solve the pain of loss and grief. But to be with those who are grieving. That Jesus doesn't ask us to, in some sort of impersonal way, solve problems of the world. 
He asks us to be in relationship with one another so that we might know another's need and that we might feel compelled to, to help, to jump into the lake with our, our clothes on. Because in that moment of need, it doesn't really matter about all of the other stuff that we, we have accumulated on top of our religious faith. What matters is that the kingdom of God is built one person at a time, one relationship at a time. And that by so doing, we answer God's call, who can we send for us? Who can I send? And the answer is me. You can send me. Amen.